Let's now turn to scripture together as we do, let us pray. Healing, sovereign God, overmatch our resistant ears with your transforming word. Break through our anxiety and our restlessness. Touch our hearts by your grace. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter three. Listen for what the spirit is saying to us today. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk and he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God, and shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and turn from God's fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented and did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Throughout the month of August, we have been exploring Bible texts that have something to do with water. We looked at the waters of creation a reminder that we're all tied together with this beautiful world, that we all swim around in the same great ocean of being and so we must care for it and for each other. We looked at the waters of the stormy sea, the waters that first Jesus and then Peter walked on and we talked about our calling to walk on the stormy waters of life, to live our faith with trust and compassion, not just in here, but out there. We looked at the waters of baptism, the way the Spirit stretches us beyond preconceived boundaries and borders, always calling us to draw the circle wider and wider. And now today we get our last story about water, the mother of all fish stories, the story of Jonah. Now our reading is near the end of the story. For most of the book, Jonah is on the run. God had called him to be a prophet, to go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim divine judgment. Jonah did not want to do that, so he ran the other way. The being a prophet has always been dangerous business and Jonah's not the first person to make a run for it. But Jonah was running for a different reason. He's not afraid of God's judgment. He's afraid of God's mercy. God called Jonah to warn the city of Nineveh that judgment was coming. But Jonah knew that if he warned the Ninevites, there was a chance they might repent 
and turn their lives around and then God would have mercy on them. And Jonah did not want God to have mercy on them. Jonah wanted God to blow the Ninevites right off the map. See, Jonah was an Israelite and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians and the Israelites were bitter, bitter enemies. Jonah didn't want to warn the Ninevites to give them a chance to repent because he didn't want them to be spared divine disaster. So he tried to evade God's call by catching a ship sailing in the opposite direction. It was a clever ploy, but the creator of the cosmos is not so easily tricked. A storm set in and nearly tore the ship apart. The crew finally figured out that the storm was all because of Jonah, and so bloop, they threw him overboard. That's the image that's on the cover of your bulletin, by the way. But then the iconic moment Jonah was swallowed by a big fish, and he spent three days in the fish's belly. Now, the text doesn't actually say a whale, but a whale works fine. And as an aside, let's not spend a lot of time worrying about whether or not this story really happened. Did Jonah really exist? Did he really get thrown overboard? Did he really spend three days in the belly of a fish before being coughed up on the shore? You know, sometimes we worry a lot about that really did this really happen just this way? But I don't think that's the right question. I've shared this before from Karl Barth, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, after he gave a lecture on the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent in the book of Genesis, a smug young graduate student asked him, Dr. Barth, you don't really think that snakes can talk, do you? There's that really again. And Barth replied, it doesn't matter whether or not the snake talked. What matters is what the snake said. <laughs> That's how you get to be a world famous theologian. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether or not this story really happened. What matters is what it's saying to us. So it turns out, being swallowed by a big fish was the best thing that could have happened to Jonah. It was a turning point for him, at least for a while. While he was in the fish's belly, he sang a song thanking God for rescuing him from a watery grave and promising not to run anymore. So after the fish coughed Jonah up on the shore, he went to Nineveh. And when he got there, he preached the shortest sermon ever. You think I preach short sermons? Jonah's sermon was eight words long. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Boom. It was short, but effective. The whole city, the king, all the way down to the cows and the sheep, repented and began fasting and putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes. Because, as the king says... Who knows? God may relent. Who knows? Well, Jonah knew, and he was right. Just as he had feared, God relented. The city was spared, and Jonah was miserable. 
He knew God would be too soft on the Ninevites. He knew divine grace would overtake divine judgment. So he sat down in a huff outside the city. And for all we know, he's still sitting there because that's where the story ends. Does that ending sound at all familiar to you? There's another story in the New Testament, one of Jesus' parables that has a similar ending. It's a story of the prodigal son, where the younger son finally returns home after recklessly squandering his father's inheritance and the, the father embraces him and forgives him and throws a great party in his honor. But the older brother, the older brother who always did what was right, stays outside in a huff refusing to join in the party, seething over his father's grace given to the unworthy. This story actually plays out over and over again in the Bible. The, the scandal of grace, how infuriatingly promiscuous it is the workers in the vineyard who only put in an hour and are paid the same as the ones who worked all day long. The 99 obedient sheep who are abandoned so the shepherd can chase down that one sheep that wanders away. These stories, they rub us the wrong way. What kind of religion is this where the Jonas and the older brothers and the hard workers and the early risers, the faithful ones who play by all the rules, have to sit there and watch while Ninevites and prodigals and latecomers and troublemakers get all the, all the attention and have, have parties in their honor? What kind of religion are we running here? Joyce Rupp wrote a book called Praying Your Goodbyes. And one of the essays in the book talks about having everything in life on loan. She quotes an ancient Aztec prayer. It's actually in your bulletin as well. Only for a short while, it says, you have loaned us to each other. As she says, we are, we are pilgrims, not possessors. This is the first and most important attitude of a pilgrim heart, she writes. In life's pilgrimage, people and things do not belong to us. They are only on loan to us. We can't hold on to them forever. We love them. We celebrate them. And then we let them go. This is that time of year when... Parents often feel the sting of that truth as children go off to school for the first time or leave the house for the first time or maybe for the hundred and first time, but still they take a piece of your heart with them. That's how life works. We have to let them go. And I confess I am not very good at it, but life keeps trying to teach me that lesson anyway. You know, that's one of the things we do here when we baptize a child. We, we take the child out of the parent's arms, telling them in essence, this does not belong to you. The child is on loan and one day you will have to let it go. All of life works this way. Our job, our house, our friends, all on loan. All things we celebrate for a while and then we have to let them go. There are new jobs and new houses and new friends and, and we celebrate those too, but someday we also have to let go of them. 
Everything in life is on loan to us. Put it another way. All of life is a gift. We can't earn it. We can't hold on to it. We don't deserve it. We live by grace. Now, I honestly believe this is the essential truth of life, the truth we so often forget or lose sight of, that we live by grace. All of us, Jonah's and older brothers and hard workers and early risers and Ninevites and prodigals and latecomers and troublemakers, we are all of us pilgrims, not possessors. Life is on loan to each of us. Remembering that, how can we not be merciful to each other? Remembering that, how can we not be kind? Now, this does not mean that there is no judgment. We can't have love without justice. We can't have reconciliation without truth. We can't have forgiveness without accountability. We need judgment. But that judgment takes place within the larger truth of a grace that falls like rain on all of us. It is, in the end, a graceful judgment. Jonah emerged from the belly of the big fish, grateful for the gift of life, and for a moment at least, determined to share graceful judgment even with people he despised. What about us? In the days and months and years to come, we will have so many occasions to practice graceful judgment. We have so much work ahead of us, repairing our common life, restoring trust, healing and grieving and rejoicing together in the great ocean of being of which we all are but a small part. So many occasions to celebrate too, the grace of God continues to flow through creation. The sun rises and the rain falls and we take a new breath and we greet a new day and beauty and life and love are possible over and over and over again and it is all gift. There is a graceful feast going on here in this life on loan. Jonah and the older brother stayed outside. What will you do? Thanks be to God. Amen.